had enough stupid jokes today. All right, John chapter 21, this morning's message. I've been waiting to preach this. I just love this subject. I could preach on this all day long, every day, every Sunday. I love this subject, and that is this, that Jesus is a very, very personal God. He's a personal Savior. He's, he loves to deal individually. Remember this. Remember this and, and, and write this down if you can. If there was only one person in the world and you were that person, Jesus would have left heaven, he would have left his Father's side in glory, and he would have been born of some miraculous power, and uh, he would have been born of a virgin. And if you were the only one left, he would have done and died for you. He loves you personally. He loves everybody, right? Now, I know something as to uh, as, as a father. Um, I'm not the greatest, but some of my kids think I am, and that's good. But anyway, I love my kids. I love my children, all of them. But I love them individually, each one. Each one, I want each one of my kids, and they do. They say, I'm dad's favorite. And then they say, they, they put me on the spot, and they say, I'm your favorite, right? And that'll be with the whole family together. And what am I going to say to that? That's unfair. But uh, I'm, I'm learning to be a politician. And uh, I say, oh, what kind of a question is that? You know, I get around that and dodge. That's like a politician. But that's a not, that's, that's, you don't have to be that way with God. He loves you as if you were his only child. He makes each one of us feel like we are his only child sometimes. And that's the relationship that you need to have with the Lord. You can't have a corporate relationship with God just because your parents did or just because your relatives did. You have to have your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, this is uh, what he instructed Peter because Peter got thinking about like, well, what, what should all these other people do? Let's go and check the John chapter 21, verse 15. Let's go there. And I uh, don't be too hard on Peter now because, you know, we're all pretty much the same. We think too much about how others feel, what other people are going to do. So that's, that's, uh, that's something Jesus had to correct him with. Okay, hold, uh, hold your place. John chapter 21, verse 15. Let's go to the Lord and let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. We love church and we love God and we love our Bibles and we love each other. And we pray and thank you for this good day today. This is the Lord's day. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And thank you for our Sunday school class with the Spanish-speaking people. And thank you for the Ibanez family, and we pray that their work would be uh, crowned with fruit and honor, and we pray that their work for the Savior among those that speak uh, Spanish and don't speak English, we pray for them that they would have great fruit in this uh, county. We ask that you'll bless today. Help us now, Lord, and we pray that we would give our hearts to you more and more and more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so let's go to verse 15. 
It says, So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? These, I believe, would be referring to maybe the fish. You know, he was a fisherman. I don't know if it was referring to the other disciples, but he said, Nevertheless, do you, you love me more than these? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Isn't that interesting that up until that point, uh, the apostle Peter never really had a ministry, did he? He, he was telling Peter, I want you to feed my lambs. And that tells me that he was telling Peter, you're going to feed my lambs. I, I want you to do that. Later, of course, Peter did that. But he said, if you love me, feed my lambs. Then verse 16 says, he saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Now lambs and sheep are a little bit different. Lambs are very young. Sheep are the older ones. Sheep would be more mature. And then the lambs are the baby ones. So by the way, we're supposed to feed young people too, right? Boys and girls, moms and dads, everybody. So he tells him the second time, Feed my sheep. Verse 17 now. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Now, you notice now this is the third time he asked him. Why was Jesus doing this? He was trying to get a hold of Peter's heart. Peter was grieved, the Bible says, verse 17, because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, he's still talking to Peter, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest, but when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Now, what did Jesus do with this? He, he was he was. Uh, he, he was previewing the way that, that Peter would die. Look at verse 19. This spake he, Jesus, signifying by what death he should glorify God. By the way, it is said that the scholars tell us that Peter was crucified upside down. At his request, he didn't feel honored enough uh, to be crucified up, standing up like Jesus was up uh, face up so he said just crucify me upside down Peter loved the Lord he was a martyr he did feed sheep he did feed the lambs he, he did obey but the crux of this uh, message this morning is found in uh, verse number uh, 20 or verse number 19 at the end Jesus said this and when he had spoken this he said unto him Jesus said to Peter follow me. Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is, which is he that betrayeth thee? Okay, so 
uh, Peter is looking at John, and uh, he's wondering what he's going to do. And watch what Jesus said here. Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Now, that's not a bad question. It's just that Jesus said, it doesn't matter what he does. You follow me. That's the message this morning. We have a personal Savior. We have a personal God. And it doesn't matter the behavior of anyone else. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. It matters what you and I do for the Lord. We're supposed to follow the Lord. Look what he said. Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. So he tells Peter, I want you to follow me. I'm your Savior. If I quit the ministry every time I heard of a preacher that did something wrong, I would have quit a long time ago. Because there's, there's preachers that do wrong things. If, if, you, if you quit the church every time somebody else quit the church and got out into sin, there wouldn't be anybody left. God doesn't want you and I to keep our eyes on other people. He doesn't want us to focus on, on other people. If, if you look at the situation in today's day and age in our own government, you could get discouraged. But God doesn't want your whole life to circle and, and, and be centered around other people as far as their behavior. He wants your behavior to be one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Jesus is one-on-one. -on -one. He wants a relationship personally with you. Listen, your parents are just sinners, just like everybody else. You know, I want to say this, and I, I, I say this probably too much, but I, I want you to know what God did for me. When, when He saved me, He came into my heart. He saved my soul. He's my Savior. Although I did not grow up in Christianity, I didn't grow up with the Bible, didn't grow up in church. But when I found him, I made him mine. There's a song, it's wonderful. Uh, I don't remember all the words, and I probably don't remember the tune as well, but uh, he is mine, and I am his, and he's my salvation, and he shall lead me home. You know, when, who's going to take you across the river of death? Jesus is. Who's going to come and get you? You know, when my grandfather passed away, he was uh, just eaten up with emphysema. He was a painter. And he didn't like to wear protective uh, gear, you know. And he smoked a lot. Boy, did he ever smoke. Everybody in my family, everybody all smoked. So he consequently, he got lung disease, emphysema, and, and uh, he passed away at the age of, I think, 71. But the night he passed away, he was in bed, and my grandmother uh, was there, and he said, her name was May, and he said, May, can you hear him? And she said, who, Andy? And he said, can you hear him? He's, all, he's coming. He's, he's almost here. And 
She said, who? She got a little uh, irritated with him. And finally she said, who are you talking about? And my grandfather said, it's Jesus. He's coming to get me. And then he passed away. And you know, I'm glad he had a personal Savior. I'm glad we encourage each person to have Jesus in their own heart. I can't go to heaven because somebody else does. I have to go to heaven because Jesus is my Savior. Or, or excuse me, I get to go to heaven because Jesus is my Savior. I don't have to go to heaven. Uh, you understand then, Jesus Christ is, has the ability to be your own personal Savior, your own personal friend. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And when I got saved, my brother and I started getting along. We're very close. Even though he's in Oregon, we're very close. We love each other so much. But there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, closer than a sister, closer than a mother, closer than a father, and I'll say even closer than a child. Jesus is a personal, one-on-one -on -one personal Savior. Keeping our spiritual eyes on Jesus is difficult sometimes, and I understand that that's, that's hard. Peter got his eyes off the Lord a couple times. But in our text, um, Peter was told to follow Jesus. Now, God puts people in our life that we could uh, gl uh, glean from and, and teach us and instruct us, and we are to follow uh, authority. We're to follow our parents uh, to a certain degree. Uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Uh, and we're supposed to obey the authorities over us. We're supposed to obey the statutes and the ordinances of the land. We're not supposed to be thieves. We're supposed to be. Uh, we're not supposed to be re rebellious against authority. And so we do follow. We follow our teachers. We follow the law. My goodness. And the Bible says uh, churches are supposed to follow the pastor. Now uh, that's a lot of good pressure on me. And I, I want to make sure that you know that you're not supposed to make your pastor your god, right? And by the way, this is not a cult. We don't have a cult here. Uh, some, I remember two Bible college boys, they went and took a long trip to go down uh, to see this famous preacher. And this famous preacher was in his office. And they, uh, they had elevated him to the point where, you know, they, they're going to find out God's will for their life in every area. Um, and so uh, they drove hundreds of miles to go talk to him. And they got an appointment with him. And they got into his office and he said, what can I do for you, boys? He's, and they said, well, we just want to see if you, we, you can help us find out what God's will is for our life. And he says, what do you think I am, the Holy Spirit? I don't know what God's will for your life is. And he, he told them to go ahead and leave. <laughs> and, you know, he, well, in other words, you can't, you can't make man your God. You can't, make, you can't elevate people up to the point where they, they have all the answers for your life. You're supposed to have time in the Bible with your Savior, right? You're supposed to know the Scriptures. The, Jesus said, search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have life, and they are they which testify of me. Now, what is the job of a pastor? Well, Jesus says uh, to feed my sheep. Uh, Jeremiah, I believe it's uh, for, uh, uh, 15, 13, 13, 15. Uh, and I will give you pastors according to my heart to feed you with knowledge and understanding. And then the Bible does say that God gave pastors to the local church 
to edify and to strengthen and to lead. Uh, so there is a job for the man of God. There's a job for Sunday school teachers. There's a job for the elderly women in the church to teach the younger women. There's a lot of following. In fact, you can't lead unless you learn to follow, right? There's no way you're going to be a good leader in no matter what you do, whether it's secular, spiritual, church work, doesn't matter. Uh, you, can't, you can't be a good leader until you learn how to follow. So we do follow what God wants us to. But in, in, in the greatest intensified spiritual aspect of, of what Jesus is trying to say is that no matter what anybody else does, no matter what anybody else thinks, you follow what God wants you to do. You have God in your daily life and you walk with the Lord by yourself, for yourself, and you'll find that there's plenty of people around you that do the same thing. I'm glad I got into church. Boy, was I ever a misguided soul. I was floundering around. I was like a BB in a box car, just bouncing around, didn't know what direction. I'm glad the Lord, like a magnet, grabbed a hold of me. And uh, He has a will for our lives. He can tell you uh, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by counsel, uh, but, but, you know, in, 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 the, in the final analysis, in the final inventory of your life, you have to have a personal walk or relationship with God individually. We had a neighbor one time, and I asked her if she was saved and if she knew the Lord. And her, her statement was like this, Oh, yeah, I come from a long line of Christians. But that's really not really a good answer, Right? And I didn't have time to delve into the matter, but it didn't make me comfortable because I don't care if your family uh, knows the Lord. You have to know the Lord. You have to know that Jesus saved you. It's a, he's a personal Savior. Um, we, got, we, we, can't, we can't get distracted and we can't get deceived and we can't get discouraged by the actions of other people. And believe me, peer pressure is really strong. You know, peer pressure has a great effect on young people. But it's not just young people. Peer pressure has a great effect on adults, too. Why? Do you know, do you know what kind of lawnmower you ought to get? Well, your neighbor's got that kind. Well, that's the kind you ought to get, right? Well, you, your neighbor put up a pergola. I mean, it's a beautiful. Well, you've got to have one of them. And we're, we're, we're looking around. I have a nosy neighbor. Oh, my soul, I got a nosy neighbor in our neighborhood. Oh, man. Uh, if I park my car just a little bit over the, the yellow mark, she calls the city. If I have a trailer that's there one minute longer than it should be, she calls the city. I mean, we're talking about a busy body. And... Uh, uh, I was, I was doing some roof work a few years back. I had the radio turned up, and I was up there working, and I, I used to love to listen to Rush Limbaugh when he was on the radio before he passed away. She came over, and she said, way, way out on the street sidewalk, I was way back in there on the roof. She said, could you turn that down, please? I said, what? Oh, oh it's just so loud. And I said, well, it's not really loud, and it, she goes, well, he's just so mean. He, she, she didn't like who I was listening to. She didn't like Rush Limbaugh. And boy, I tell you, I, I, 
I got in the flesh. I did. I'm sorry. I, I told her, would you just go back into your house and leave me alone? I, I did. I said that. Uh, but years ago, I wouldn't have said that. Years ago, I would have told her where to get off the train. But uh, no, I told her. I, but, um, it, but people too, they, they pay attention too much to what other people are doing. And, uh, you know, just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean you should. And just because everybody says something doesn't mean you ought to believe it. Um, you see, you, you need to keep your eyes on the Lord. And it's fun, too, because you keep your eyes on the Lord. He, he'll let you see things and see straight, and then you get a better understanding of what's going on in the world if you keep your eyes on the Lord. And you'll find out where God wants you to do in your life, and uh, he'll, have a, he'll, he'll have a direction for you. Hey, have you heard this verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. You know. And so we have, uh, we have a pathway, and the Bible says, The path of the just, that's saved people, is as a shining light, which shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Just that, you know what? Uh, a Christian's relationship with the Lord should be getting closer and stronger and sweeter. You heard the song, uh, Sweeter Gets a Journey Every Day. You ever heard that song? Want me to sing it to you? <laughs> I get happy in a heavenly way because sweeter gets a journey every day. I don't know about you, my friend. I don't know where your journey will end. But as for me and all of mine, we're going to make that heavenly climb up to, up to that heavenly shore. We'll live forevermore. Never have a worry. Never have a care. Everything will just be happiness there. Oh, sweet, you get your journey every day. Okay, you got it? You got enough of that? Did I make my point? All right, I got another verse if you got doubts. Listen, you got to have a personal walk with God. You have to, because that's the only way we're going to get through this world. Now, lest you, lest you forget that, uh, that God is a personal God and cares about every single bit of your life, you have to remember that He's also at the same time controlling kings and queens and gravity and molecular structures and uh, the course of nature, and the rivers, and the oceans, and the fishes, everything. He's got it all under control. And sometimes you think God's just too big for you. Oh, have you ever prayed and you thought, oh, I, I don't want to bother God. He's so busy. Oh, nonsense. Nonsense. He's God. He says, call upon me, and I will answer thee, and I'll show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Call unto me. Uh, talk to me. Uh, Jesus says, um, I, I want you to pray. And when you pray, I want you to believe. And, and I, want, I want a personal walk with you. Now, you remember uh, that when you look in your Bible, you'll see that, uh, that God has done so many wonderful things that you can't explain. You don't, just can't comprehend them. They're too big. They're too big. How did he... Uh, set the uh, the planets in orbit. How does he do that? Anybody got it, got that figured out? 
I got nothing of that, none of that figured out. I have no idea. I don't know why there's uh, North Pole and South Pole. I still haven't figured that out. And I don't really care. <laughs> it's just they're there. So you think uh, about the universe and the stars and, and the vastness of God's power. By the way, we, we preachers, we love these big words. Uh, omnipotence. God is omnipotent. Anybody know what that means? Most of us don't even know what it means. Omnipotent. Omnipotent. That just means he's all-powerful. He's all uh, omniscient. You know, you got to be careful about preachers. Sometimes they like to talk over your head. And the omniscience of God. But uh, listen, that just means he knows everything. Omniscient. Right? There's, there, there's a lot. that uh, There's om, omniscience, om, omnipotent, um, uh, omnipresent. Now, that's easy. But if you don't know what the word omni means, you've got to figure that one out on your own. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He knows everything. He's all loving, too. So, but, but think about this. When you look at the Lord, I want you to go to Luke chapter number 1 with me, please. Luke, Luke 1. God is a very personal God. He knows each and every one of us. He's listening to every word we speak. He loves to have fellowship with us. Um, verse number uh, 40, 47. I want you to see what Mary said. This is, the, this is Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus. Notice this in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God. What's that next word? My. Is that what your Bible says? And what's the next word after that? Savior, Mary referred to her son Jesus as her personal Savior. She didn't say, well, I'm your mother and I have authority over you. No, uh, that's what the Roman Catholics think. They, they want their parishioners and members of the Roman Catholic Church to actually pray to Mary. You don't pray to Mary. Don't ever pray to Mary. She can't hear your prayers. She doesn't answer prayer. She's got nothing to do with prayer. She's up there praising God. She needed to get saved. Why? Because she's called Jesus her personal Savior. My Savior. Isn't that a way, wonderful that even, even in the, uh, uh, the family of the Lord Jesus, it was that she needed Jesus as her personal Savior. So we have a personal God, don't we? Is he, do you remember how personally he became friends uh, with the thief on the cross? Remember what the thief on the cross said? He said, Lord, when you go into your kingdom, would you remember me? That's a personal God. What did Jesus say? No, I'm busy. I'm sorry, I don't have time for you. And by the way, you're a rotten person. And look, you get you are getting the death penalty. I got no time for you. Oh no, no, no. He he, he said, "Today shalt thou be with me in paradise." Very personal. 
Remember Zacchaeus up in the tree, a tax collector? Wow, you would think if Jesus was going to shun anybody, it would be a tax collector. But he didn't. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to eat. I'll paraphrase. I'm coming to your house today. I'm going to eat dinner with you. They said uh, to the Savior, they said, where do, you, where do you live? Jesus said, come and see. And the disciples abode with him in his house. One of the, one of the prerequisites of being a pastor is that we, be, we, we would have um, a love for uh, hospitality. You know, the first year that we started this, this church, my wife and I had 25 people stay at our house overnight the first year. And that was it was it was hard. I mean, on the children, they always they always had to have so much company. Uh, but you know that that kind of smoothed out. And, but, but I'd like to have a nickel for everybody that ever came to our house. I got that one thing done for Jesus that I'm pretty glad about. We've been hospitable, <laughs> and it's fun. I love I love having fellowship. But Jesus was very hospitable too. He wasn't some robed person in some back office that never talked to anybody. Uh, remember Mary Magdalene, don't you? Mary, Mary Magdalene, remember her? Isn't it amazing that the first person that saw Jesus after he was resurrected was Mary Magdalene? And she wasn't the perfect girl, was she? She was kind of, you know, she had a past. But aren't you glad, though, that he, he let her be the first one to see her? We have a wonderful God. We have a wonderful Savior. There's just there's no other there is no other religious person anywhere close to what he did. Remember uh, remember the woman at the well. These are all individuals, aren't they? Now he talked to the 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 uh, Pharisees and called them snakes and vipers, a bunch of hypocrites. And woe unto you, you 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 whitewashed sepulchers. You you should know better. You you treat these people terribly. You treat uh, the poor. You walk over them, and, you, and, and you're just a bunch of hypocrites, and you need to get right. And then, but when he was talking to individuals, he would have so much care and concern. And that, that's what Jesus did. He loves us, and he loves you. Um, the woman at the well, <coughs> uh, she, uh, she went in and said, you gotta, you got to meet this man. He told me all things whatsoever I ever do. He just knows me. And remember uh, Philip. Remember he said, Philip, uh, before, before you were at the fig tree, I saw you. Before you were under the fig tree, I saw you. I know you. He said, you, you know me? Uh, and because of that one thing that, that, that Jesus said to him about how personally he knew him, he got saved. He, he, he trusted Christ as his Savior. Listen. This is a lonely world out here. Folks, this is lonely. We're, this is a lonely, lonely, lonely world. You can be in a big crowd of people and still be really lonesome. You can have everything you ever wanted in your life. You could have 16 uh, types of different Corvettes and Rolls Royces and Porsches, and you could have three or four houses and and five, five or six swimming pools, and you could have everything you could think of, and you could be as lonely as can be without Jesus. Nothing, nothing satisfies in this whole world like a personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the woman caught in adultery? 
Jesus, uh, he, he was riding in the sand, and he looked up, and all, his accus- all those accusers were gone, except for the lady that had been taken in adultery. Uh, she was guilty, but she was there. And what did he do? What did he do? You know what he did? He treated her kindly. And I believe she got saved. And so, so there we go. There's no such thing in this the Bible as group salvation. You say, what about the day of Pentecost where 3,000 people got saved and baptized? I believe this. I believe each and one of them accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Otherwise, I don't think the apostles would have baptized anybody. By the way, well, I'm not supposed to baptize anybody unless they explain that they, um, they do believe in Jesus Christ. We're not supposed to just uh, win them, wed them, and work them. <laughs> uh, we, we have jokes like that. Yeah, bless God, going to build a church, man, amen. You win them, wed them, wean them, and work them, amen. No, that's not how you treat people, right? <laughs> you got to take care uh, and, and you got to be kind. And you got to make sure that people understand. So there's no such thing as a group salvation. But uh, you don't get saved by association. See, Jesus is the only person that we will answer to on the day of judgment. I'm not going to be judged. And by the way, there's some people that would love to to judge us, right? Uh, Oh, my goodness. But I'm not going to be standing in front of anybody in this world. It won't be the Supreme Court. They're going to be in front of Jesus themselves. It won't be my wife, although she's next in line. <laughs> but it's going to be Jesus. I, we only answer to him. We answer to the Lord because he's the one that knows us. He's the only one that we'll answer to. Not only that, but he is the only one that we really and truly serve. Now, we can be servants, right? We should serve each other, and, and there's a way that we can serve and be a servant. But ultimately, we're really serving the Lord. That's the key to the Christian life, having a servant's heart. But we serve the Lord. Now, when you pray, do you realize there's nobody in the world that can hear your prayer unless they go into the room where you're praying? Jesus hears your prayer. Do you know how that deaf people have no ability to talk? Sometimes they, they, uh, they can't speak, right? Can they pray? Absolutely, they can pray. So who hears their prayers? Jesus does. We have a, tra- a fantastic, wonderful relationship with the Lord. Um, and by the way, he's the one that said, my reward is with me. And uh, he said, great is your reward in heaven. Rejoice and leap for joy and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven because he's the one that knows what rewards we've, we've earned for him. And he's the only one that understands fully and listens to us. You know, when I grew up, uh, kind of a little troubled kid, I was a uh, little rambunctious, got in trouble a lot, just mischief, mischievous, mischievous troublemaker, stuff like that. Uh, But you know, there's something sweet. My mom seemed to know me better than anybody in the world. 
And there was one other person that knew me too. I don't know how he knew me so well, but my grandpa, he could look right through me and he could tell just what was going on. And when I'd get in trouble, I would go and I'd say, you know, my, my mom knows and my grandpa knows. And then later, I, I started having a great relationship with my dad. So there's some people that know us, really. And when I went to college, hey, you've heard the story, right? I had a teacher in college that was so incredibly wonderful that he counseled me personally, just one-on-one. -on -one. You know what he did? He came into my room, and he counseled me personally for four hours. He stayed with me, and he broke me down and looked right through me shared with me everything that was going on in my life. He was a fantastic psychologist. He was a preacher. He was a teacher. He was a Bible uh, scholar. Just a wonderful man of God. But he, you know what? You know what he did for me? He loved me. He took time with me and spent time with me. Most Christ-like individual I think I've ever run into. Uh, one of the most incredible people in my life. But I believe that, that, God, that God sent him to my life. And because he was personal, because he was one-on-one, -on -one, he took time with me and helped me. And I don't think I could celebrate 25 years as a pastor. Uh, I don't think I could have got married. I don't think I could be a dad unless somebody took time with me and helped me. And that's what Jesus wants to do to all of us. How many of you ever have anything that's less than perfect in your life? How many have a little bit of a character problem at times? How many have a little bit of a temper tantrum? How many have a little bit of emotional instability? Can I go on? How many are just a rascal? How many are just feeling like, you know what? I need help. <laughs> uh, but from time to time, where do you go? Well, for 1995, I have a counseling class, and but wait, there's not. That's not all. If you act right now, I'll give you two for one. You know all this? No, no, no. There's no pill that does this for you. There's no counseling class. It's you and Jesus. Can you hear me? It's you and the Lord. Let's go. Last, lastly, to John chapter 15, and I want to finish today. We have a personal God, and if you've never received Jesus as your Savior. If you have a doubt whether or not you're truly born again, he's, he's waiting for, for anybody to call on his name and to trust him. Uh, John chapter 15. Now, you that are saved, you, you still have that personal Savior. You still have the personal relationship with Jesus. It's never to be severed. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will never cast thee out. I will be with you. Uh, through fire and flood, there's no, there's no worry. You will never have to wake up and wonder whether or not I love you. You're never going to have to wonder whether or not I care for you. You'll never have to wonder about that. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am your personal Savior. I am your God, and I love you and I always will. I never have stopped loving you. I never have done anything but love you, and I'm never going to stop. I'll never cast you out. If you know Jesus as your personal Savior this morning, you can rest assured you are eternally secure. You're saved forever. But look at this. Look at verse number uh, 5. 
and will be done. John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Do you see that wonderful one-on-one relationship that God requires out of us? I'm the vine, you're a branch. If you don't abide in me, there's nothing you can do. Without me, you can't do anything. And it's true. If you ever get out of God's will for a little while in your life, you'll find that life gets really empty. But if you stay close to Jesus, it gets full and rich and, and joyful. And I hope, it, I hope you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you do, remember that He wants to be uh, personal with you. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Thank God for a personal Savior. You know, without the Lord, 